Hello everyone. Before we start today's podcast, some exciting news for you. You can experience the Inside Politics podcast live in Dublin on May 16th when Hugh Linehan, Jennifer Bray and I will be joined by Cliff Young of Ipsos, one of America's top pollsters, to talk about the US election, our own local and European elections and much more. It's a breakfast event kicking off at 8am in Trinity College. If you'd like to attend, you can get tickets at irishtimes.com forward slash events. That's irishtimes.com forward slash events. I hope we see lots of you there. Hello and you're very welcome to this, a special commemorative edition of the Inside Politics podcast from the Irish Times to mark the visit of US President Joseph Robinette Jr. to the United Kingdom and Ireland. This is Pat Lee. I'm sitting in this morning for Hugh Linehan, who is unavailable this week as he is in New York, where he's starring in an experimental off-off-Broadway production with Fintan O'Toole, uh, about which more anon. But I'm delighted to say we are joined this morning by our columnist, Jared Hallin. Good morning, Jared. Good morning, Pat. And by our northern editor, Freya McClements, who is in the University of Ulster, eagerly awaiting the uh, arrival of said President Biden. Good morning, Freya. Good morning, Pat. Freya, you've been up at the lark, queuing for hours, getting patted down by Secret Service, etc., etc. Will you set the scene for us there? I can, I, I can tell uh, from the excitement in your voice that expectation is rising. <laughs> yes, not, not, nothing like a, a, a long uh, security queue uh, of an early morning. Um, but no, I mean, th- there is a real sense here in, in Belfast that, that something big is happening. It, you, you know, um, no, Northern Ireland has, has had presidential visits in, in the past. You know, we, we've had good links with the White House. But, you know, every time a, a US president comes to Northern Ireland comes to Ireland, it, it, it is a big deal. Um, and even just walking through the, the streets, I had to park a bit outside the, 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 the big security cordon that's in Belfast city centre this morning. And, and ju- just walking those through those streets in, in the cathedral quarter to the University of Ulster, I was thinking actually how much this area has changed in, in, in the last 25 years. This, this, this is somewhere, quite simply, you, you really wouldn't have come 25 years ago, um, somewhere that was deeply affected by, by the troubles, you, you know, in an area of, of, of de- deprivation. And you look around now and some listeners will be familiar with um, the offering now in, in that area, and just in terms of bars and, and, and nightlife and, and hotels, restaurants, you know, you know, something that just didn't really exist in, in, in Northern Ireland um, before 1998. So, so that, that is, in, in many ways, if you like, the, the peace dividend on, on, on the ground. And, and I was speaking actually to the, the, the Vice-Chancellor um, of Ulster University a few days ago about the visit here. And again, this massive new campus, um, 15,000 students relocated from Jordanstown outside of Belfast, and they were put outside of Belfast at, at, at that time. The campus was built there because it because it was it was safer, safer because you wouldn't have built something like this in the centre of Belfast. And he made the point to me, you know, this is a building fronted in glass. You know, before mm. 1998, during the Troubles, nobody would have built a building out of glass. So, so all these things were, were sort of going through my mind, if you like, as I, I was walking through through here and, and um, this morning. As you get closer to the university, obviously, um, you know, huge security cordon, um, 
roads closed to, to, to traffic, um, heavy police presence and, and security presence. Um, and we had to go through two stages actually to queue to get into the building and, and then across what is normally a very, very busy main road, multi lanes of traffic, completely cordoned off, huge media risers and in then and through that kind of airport style security. And I'm just looking across here actually at the, 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 the relatively small hall actually um, in the university where um, the president is going to give, give, give his speech. I think at this stage there are far more media here um, certainly than, than, than dignitaries and invited guests. But we have seen some of those going in, um, members of the political parties. Um, oh, people tell in, us, drop, in business a, drop some names. Drop some, dro- names. Dro- drop some names. Well, uh, Jonathan Buckley from, from the DUP, um, I've oh, seen come on, going in. Come on, you'll have to do better uh, than Steve, that. Come Steve, on. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Ferry from, from the, the Alliance Party. I understand Doug Beattie, uh, the UUP leader, has gone in. Um, my understanding is uh, Michelle O'Neill and Connor Murphy from Sinn Féin um, will be attending from the party, although I haven't seen them uh, as yet. Uh, likewise, I understand, you know, Jeffrey Donaldson will, will be here, D- Mm-hmm. EP leader Naomi Long, all, all, all the party leaders, um, but people very very much um, just kind of dr- drifting in. Um, people, Jane Brady also here, the head of the Northern Ireland Civil Service, the woman you could say who is running Northern Ireland um, in the absence of, of an executive, um, but certainly very much, I mean, hopefully you get a bit of a sense of the, the buzz and the excitement because actually I'm looking at the clock, I mean, you know, less than two hours from now as we're recording this, um, President Biden will be on the stage making that address and in his first engagement in this four-day trip to Ireland. Right. Uh, I mean, you, you, you mentioned the proliferation of, of bars and restaurants and nightclubs. I'm sure, as you'll appreciate, listeners to uh, Inside Politics won't need to be told anything about the bars and restaurants in, mm. in, in Belfast or anywhere else. But, uh, mm. but it is the, the message that President Biden is expected to, to stress today is primarily an economic one. I suppose he'd be marking the... Achievements of the Good Friday Agreement uh, after 25 years and uh, and so forth, but but the future facing bit of, of what he's expected to say will stress on the stress the economic dividends, I guess, of of peace and of the restoration of self government for the for the North. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, Joe Biden has been on record, but before, um, you know, he emphasised this in, in the run up to, to the visit as well uh, about the importance of getting the, the assembly back up and running and how this is the US's pre- preference. But but I mean, you, you're absolutely right. The, the focus of this visit is very much on the opportunities for Northern Ireland, primarily those economic opportunities and, and also on, on, on youth, on, on young people, on the next generation. Um, and that's where, again, the, this, this visit to UU really fits in because this is all about students and, and, and the next generations and, and, and the, the opportunities for, for, for them and um, I mean worth pointing out as well that, that travelling with the President and he's actually going to be staying on um, in Northern Ireland for around, around a week is um, Joe Kennedy III, the, the, the US's new special mm-hmm. economic envoy to, to Northern Ireland so he's going to be following up, up on a lot of the business meetings that will actually kind of make that happen practically um, but in, in terms of the President's address I mean absolutely you know it'll be about re- reflecting the Good Friday Agreement, because obviously from the US's point of view, that this this was a big win for them, if you like. Um, reflecting on, on those achievements, um, his press secretary said he, he'll put it into some kind of historical context and talk about the importance of that, but but also emphasising very much it's about how you make the most of, 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 of the, the gains of this. You know, how do you t- take this forward in the next 25 years? And, and of course, the elephant in the room, or it, it may not be the elephant in the room because you would expect him to address this in, in some way is the fact that 
of course, 25 years on from the Good Friday Agreement, the president is not at Stormont. You know, we're, we're not waiting up at Parliament buildings for an address to the Assembly because the Assembly isn't sitting, the Assembly isn't functioning. So the, the, the University of Ulster has, has taken on that role, if you like, in terms of um, hosting that main keynote speech that, that really should have happened at the Assembly. Yeah, this, this is his only outing, his only public outing mm. in Northern Ireland. Isn't yeah. It? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there, there was there was certainly disappointment um, about that in Northern Ireland. And I think, you know, a lot of that's to do with managing expectations. And if you think of how the choreography of all of this fe- fell into place at the point when we were sort of starting to talk about the presidential visit, the, 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 the feeling last year was that, um, you know, we'll, we'll th- things will, will fall into place if we get a deal um, on Brexit, the Windsor framework in, in February, which, which, which happened. That then sets the stage for the restoration of, of the Assembly in time for the Good Friday uh, Agreement anniversary. And, and, and the big, the culmination, if you like, the, the, the pictures that would have gone around the world would have been of the US President at Stormont. Now, obviously, that hasn't happened um, because of the DUP's continued uh, boycott of, of the partial sharing institutions. Um, So inevitably, there's been disappointment here in in Northern Ireland at that. I mean, important to stress, I think people are still um, very pleased that that he's here and and keen keen to stress the positive, but it's not the visit that that there there might have been. And I mean, worth pointing out, last week, the Tonnistry Micheál Martin was was in in Belfast and also the Northern Secretary, Chris Heaton-Harris, and and both of them were asked, is this a snub? And both of them, of course, very keen to emphasise that that, that it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um, But nevertheless, there is is, is that sense. Pray I can uh, hear the, uh, the tones of what sounds like a burly Ulster man close, mm. uh, close by you there wanging <laughs> on about something or other but so we, we, we might leave him complete his tedious reporting before we, before we come back to you. Let me turn to Jared Howland. Jared, uh, you're a man of conspicuous cultural interests. Uh, are you keeping an eye out for the odd reference to an Anglo-Irish poet in the speech of uh, President Biden today and over the next few days? We might well be treated to some li- lines of poetry. President Biden uh, often does, but just to pick up on your conversation with Freya, uh, you know, is his lack of uh, engagement, in public engagement in Northern Ireland a snob or, or is it a reality check? I mean, there's a school of politics in Northern Ireland that depended on antics to soak up limelight over decades. Uh, and this is, I think, more of a reality check that that era is over. Um, and um, also in terms of the British-American relationship and uh, Britain after Brexit, um, you know, Rishi Sunak is, 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 is clearly, I think, personally respected. Uh, but Britain itself, I think, is diminished and damaged. And, and there's something of that coming true in terms of American engagement with Britain since and up to today. There's a little bit of an undercurrent of of that going on at the moment, isn't there? Between in that whole sphere of Anglo-American, Hiberno-American, Anglo-Irish relations, that Biden is very conspicuously elevating the importance of relations with Dublin, commitment to the North, commitment to the the South's view of the North, as it were, above British... I think the axis of um, American engagement with the island of Ireland has swung from North to South. Um, And I think if you look back over the years of uh, peacemaking through the 90s uh, until relatively recently, the Northern Ireland parties and Northern Ireland politicians, I think, had gotten used to 
by right, a, a de facto place on, at center point on the main stage. Uh, but I, I think under the Biden presidency, that has shifted back to Dublin to the elected government. And what does that mean for the British, I wonder? I mean, <coughs> Rishi Sunak may be conspicuous by his absence this morning. There was a, I'm not sure if it was a bilateral or a cup of coffee between, uh, between Biden and Sunak this morning. There was reports that American officials were playing down the importance of this meeting, somebody describing it as a bilate rather than a bilateral meeting between them. Very witty. Um, not and I, for No, not at all. And I suppose the point of view about Rishi Sunak and the British government is that the whole Brexit project, of which Sunak was an enthusiastic supporter, was that there was going to be an enormous trade, political, economic dividend in terms of the British-American relationship, and none of it uh, has, has been fulfilled. But Britain remains a very important partner for the United States states in terms of its um, part in NATO, in terms of its role vis-a-vis Ukraine. Um, so uh, I'm not sure they're a negative territory, but I think the positivity they imagined simply hasn't been fulfilled. And and that, the, the Freya described it as the, the elephant in the room, of course, that, that Stormont uh, is is yet again in abeyance. There's no joint, mm. uh, there's no city, storm and sitting for... Uh, well, Biden for is Biden conspicuously not rewarding absentees. But he is talking about this potential economic dividend. But isn't it very clear that that potential economic dividend, and I spent a, a, a week around St. Patrick's Day, first in New York and then in Washington, it was very clear that was the message from... Uh, from not just the US political establishment, but also the boardrooms of corporate America, at least those that, uh, that, that, you know, that have an Irish influence on them, that there was this potential wave of investment, but it depended on the restoration of political stability to, uh, to the North. So that this carrot, if, if you like, it's, it's very much contingent on the restoration of the self-governing institutions and that, in effect, puts the ball in the DUP's court. So even though we're, we're, we're told that, you know, there won't be any overt political pressure from Biden on Jeffrey Donaldson, that pressure is still there in a, an oblique sort of way, isn't it? Investment never follows uncertainty. And by default, if not by downright mistake, uh, the DUP has negotiated uh, Northern Ireland and unionism into an extraordinarily sweet spot where it is uniquely both in the United Kingdom and in the European Union for various purposes. Uh, The DUP, of course, are horrified by the logic, uh, even the benefits of the logic of what they inadvertently uh, helped to architect. Um, It's painful for them in terms of uh, political consequences to their right, to their hard unionist right. Uh, There are local elections in May and and those factors seem to predominate every time above all others. Northern Ireland uh, has a bright future. Uh, It is ideally placed. If you were a leader of unionism with a jot of imagination, you could see how the demographics are receding, the opportunities are actually rising for a soft unionism uh, to continue on for, for some decades to come, and I think Irish Times polling and research uh, would, would, would underline that. But there we are. Uh, the DUP is the DUP, and uh, there's little expectation for now of much positivity. Freya, what's the DUP's attitude towards this visit, or what is their demeanour today? I mean, it struck me that Geoffrey Donaldson and his 
colleagues in, in, in Washington. They were determined to be there, but they didn't really want to look like they were enjoying themselves too much. What's their attitude today? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a very good summation of it. I mean, I mean, definitely the DUP response to this has been much more muted, um, but you, you, you would expect that, um, not least because of um, Joe Biden's sort of clear identification as an Irishman and, and in the, the perception in some circles that this therefore ma- makes him a, a nationalist. Um, that said, you know, he is the US president, um, man who wields huge power and influence and also potentially um, opportunities for, for, for cash. And that's always welcome um, in the Northern Ireland context when we're trying to um, resolve a thorny political uh, problem. So the DUP absolutely will, will want to be here. They will want to be at the table. They will want to be at, at, at the conversation. But in, 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 terms of, in terms of how much impact this is going to have in terms of something like the restoration of, of, of the assembly. At, at the end of the day, the solution to that will, will come from in, in, in internal domestic um, discussions and decisions, if you like, rather than, than, than international ones. Because at, at, at the end of the day, whatever Joe Biden may say about the restoration of, of, of the institutions, that's not really who Jeffrey Donaldson's listening to. It seems to me that there's a view in, in, in Dublin, which is largely held, I think, in, in in London and in Washington too, is that the restoration, the, the DUP's re-entry is kind of inevitable, that Donaldson will want to do a deal uh, and that they are giving him the time and space to manage his own party into that sort of political space, uh, you know, that, that, that precedes re-entry to the... To the, to the institutions. Do you get a sense that this whole visit and the message that Biden will convey today helps him? If, if that indeed is Donaldson's expectation, first of all, do you think that's correct? And I suppose if it is, second of all, do you think that, that, that Donaldson's case is helped by this? Um, yeah, so I, I think in, in, in terms of, is that assessment c- correct? I think broadly speaking, absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously there, there's internal discussions going on in, in the DUP around this. At, at the moment, um, Jeffrey Donaldson's commission that he appointed to, to examine the Windsor framework and to look at this have reported back to, to him and to the party, and this will then have to go to sort of meetings of, of par- party officers and, and things. I mean, it, it's quite clear that absolutely no decision is going to be made until after the council elections here. In, in, in May, there, there is a, a fear in, in Northern Ireland once you get too near the marching season and the parading season and then you're into the summer, things can, can slip. Um, so there, there will be a sense that certainly possibly nothing's going to happen soon. You know, it, it may not be um, even until September or October that, that we do we do see um, the restoration of, of, of the Assembly. But I think equally there is also a sense that at some point Jeffrey Donaldson will have to take his party back into the Assembly um, because what, what, what is the, the alternative? Um, you know, do you continue to sit outside indefinitely? And at that point that would, that would surely, and there have been sort of um, you know, hint, hints towards this, if you like, from from the British government. But the, the British government and the Irish government would certainly have to start looking at. What, well, you know, we can't have this held up indefinitely. Do we then have to start looking at at, at, at some alternative? And, and the DUP at that at that point um, would have effectively sidelined itself. Now, that said, I think that the longer that the party sits out, the harder and harder it is to go in because we've already seen things like um, the fact that, albeit. Um, 
the DUP and Jeffrey Donaldson continue to say, well, we haven't made a decision yet. They voted against it um, in, in, in Parliament. They voted against the, Win the Windsor framework. And, and, and you know, the, as, as, those, as that stance crystallises, it can sometimes be harder to move from that. But, I mean, undoubtedly with, within the party, I mean, I mean MLAs mm -hmm. would quite like to get back into the Assembly because that's where their salaries come from, aside from anything else, where a lot of the, the strident language we've heard have been from people like, like Sammy Wilson, Ian Paisley, who are MPs, um, who, who are in Westminster regardless. But to, to, to look back eventually to, to your other point as to whether this, this will, 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 he, will help um, Jeffrey Donaldson, I, I don't think this will make much of a difference one way or the other because ultimately it comes down to who, who, who is he listening to, who is his party, party listening to. Um, they are not taking their lead from, 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 from Joe Biden. Um, so I think in that to expect any sort of political resolution, I think, to, to come from, from this today um, is, is simply to, to expect too much. And the reality will be that, um, you know, later today, this will all move on so, south of the border. These political problems in Northern Ireland will, will remain. And if there is going to be any long tail to this, it, it, it will probably be in, in the economic um, arena. And I get the sense, Jared, that for Sunak and for for the British government, that the Northern Ireland problem, irrespective of what happened, is, if not quite solved, it's certainly its role as a barrier to closer EU-UK relations. And you particularly think about things like the Horizon Programme and that. that. That is sort of settled. And of course, you know, does Downing Street want the institutions up and running? Of course it does. Is it prepared to assist in that? Yes, it is. But is it now a huge priority for them in the way it was before the Windsor framework was agreed? I, I just don't get that sense that it is. It seems to me to have slipped considerably down the list of priorities in number 10. Yes, I agree. And I think that Rishi Sunak has successfully reopened the road between London and Brussels, uh, which is a major strategic objective for him. And the fact that the road to Stormont remains closed is of relatively significantly less importance. Uh, and, and that's the price that's being paid uh, in Northern Ireland because the, the leverage they had, which was leverage of, in terms of British relations with, with Brussels, uh, is now very diminished. And so it's kind of maybe possible to say that, you know, maybe we're looking at it the wrong way if we're talking about, you know, there's not much interaction between Sunak and uh, and Biden that, you know, maybe it's not so much that Biden isn't interested in Sunak. It's that Sunak's not no longer that interested in Northern Ireland. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think... Um the relationship, at the risk of stating the obvious here, the relationship between between the, the US and, and the UK is a much broader one than, than, than simply Northern Ireland. Um, and um, I know some of the things that they're expected to discuss um, in their me meeting this morning that, you know, the bilateral or the, the bilateral or whatever, whatever you want to call it, um, are around things I like think the, the, the war in Ukraine. We'll call it the bilateral. It's just great. Um, but, you know, they're going to talk about the war in Ukraine, for example. So that relationship go, goes much beyond... Sure. Uh, Northern Ireland, um, you know, and there will always be a strong diplomatic relationship, you would imagine, between between um, the UK government and, and the, the US. I mean, I mean, that said, I do think it is notable that um, Rishi Sunak isn't going to be here for this this speech, um, and there have been some tensions between 
the US government and, and the UK government o- o- over this. I mean, I mean, the, the billing, for example, of, of this visit by the White House as a visit to the United Kingdom in, in, and, uh, and Ireland, um, whereas I think most in America would simply regard this, or most in the American um, government would simply regard this as a visit to Ireland. I mean, that, that is a nod to the, the, the sensibilities of, of, of the UK government. And, and I think Sunak would have, would have liked had... had that visit to Britain being extended, possibly had it had um, Joe Biden come to um, King Charles's coronation, for for example, and that that hasn't happened. And I mean, I think it is, you know, you, you can read sometimes maybe more into this than there is, but I think it is telling that you know we're going to have all the North's political leaders lined up at, 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 in the front row, and, and Rishi Sunak isn't 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 going going to be there. And I mean, another thing, another point, just to to throw into that, I mean. Um, worth bearing in mind that had that happened you would imagine there would have had to have been some input from the Irish government as well because obviously when we're talking about the the, the Good Friday Agreement in 25 years ago that was very much um, about the two governments working in tandem so it would have been difficult to have had something um, marking that without possibly the Taoiseach or the President or somebody like that being present. Now that will happen next week. There's a major conference mm-hmm. um, happening in Queen's University um, and we'll have uh, the Irish government and, and the UK government re- re- represented there. So, you know, you don't want to read too much into it either, but it just seems odd that, that the UK Prime Minister, who was so keen, let's not forget, to, to have um, have the US President on, 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 on UK soil, um, that he sort of put the question um, in that press conference in, in America and then made sure that he was here to greet him getting off the steps last night. It, it just, it, it, it seems odd that he's not here f- for the speech. Yeah, and there is a lot of chatter around about diplomatic tensions about the, uh, uh, about the visit. But Jerry, I wonder, is there, Biden is a, you've written a little bit about this, he's a very kind of old style Irish-American uh, politician. Is there kind of a, a shadow or an echo of kind of old-style Irish-American anti-Englishness about him, I wonder? Well, he uh, must remember, because he must have been immersed in, uh, that sort of uh, knee-jerk, anti-Brit, uh, Irish ideology. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could not be. But the fact is, all his political life, as a young man elected for Delaware, in 1972, a senator since 1973, he has very much been part of a, a mainstream, constructive, peaceful, constitutional um, political effort, and he's never deviated or dabbled in anything else. So whatever about the tonality that people think they hear or infer, his politics over 50 years has been crystal clear. You were writing your piece yesterday that that he represents kind of the end of an era of Irish-American politics. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean by that is that with the retirement uh, in January of Senator Patrick Leahy of Vermont, Joe Biden is... My namesake. Indeed. My Um, lost cousin. (laughs) I I once called into his office and introduced myself. uh, And did he recognise you? I'm afraid his staff informed me that he wasn't free to meet (laughs) passing Uh, namesakes. There there you are. Um, Joe Biden's the last man standing of a generation of very prominent Irish-American politicians. Uh, This goes back to John Hume and Kennedy, Ted Kennedy in in the 70s. Hume forged a deep abiding link with Ted Kennedy. 
the so-called four horsemen mm-hmm. of, of, of Kennedy, of uh, Governor Hugh Carey, of Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan and Speaker Tip O'Neill. And they four together in the late 70s, but through the 80s, they co-opted Ronald Reagan to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and he certainly was constructive in his attitude towards Margaret Thatcher, his great friend, in the lead into the Anglo-Irish Agreement. And that pol- political architecture and structure that dates from the 70s. This is now the end of it. Because all the veterans, when Biden is finished, whenever that is, uh, will be gone. The demographics of Irish America are changing significantly. 40 years ago, um, 40 million or thereabouts claimed Irish American descent. That's about 30 million now. But it's not just that the demographics are receding. They're still very strong, by the way. Hugely strong. Hugely strong. and, And also, in a way, because... I mean, there was a, a time when the Irish-American vote was reliably democratic. That's mm, no longer no. the case at all now. So in a way, in a sense, it's kind of more important because it's, it's contested ground. Now. It's, it's highly contested. And I'd like to come back to that if you spare me a, a moment. But uh, when Biden is gone, all of that, which we take for granted over 40 years, that, the structure of that is over. And it's not just the demographics have changed. It is that um, Irish-Americans are far less present in national politics and in state houses across the United States. Uh, they have moved on generationally. And you had a peasantry that arrived who instantly became an urban poor, who invested heavily in machine politics in big cities. And even though the heyday of Irish emigration uh, to the United States was over before this state was founded, the story of 20th century politics is of their descendants mastering politics on, on an Olympic scale compared to, to, to other sectors of the American melting pot. But, but that is dwindling. It's coming to, to, to a close or a chapter of it is coming to a close. So the future will be different. Uh, Irish America politically is more contested. And I would put it to you that perhaps President Biden's most significant political engagement in Ireland this week is his private visit to Knock. Why so? Because he won the presidency where Hillary Clinton had lost it by focusing intensely on a white vote, working class vote, a white Catholic working class vote in a small number of states, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin and Michigan. She lost those states by a cumulative 44,000 votes across all three. He pushed back. He he gave a disproportionate effort of his campaign throughout to those and he moved the dial slightly. He only needed to move it slightly. Precisely. And it was the margin of victory in the key states. He couldn't be president without Our Lady of Knock. Our Lady of Guadalupe, on the other hand, the patron saint of Hispanic Americans, did not answer his prayers. Hispanic America did not move forward, as was lazily assumed they would, into the democratic camp. They receded in mm-hmm. many places, particularly in Florida. So the alternative path to the White House that was urged to him, if he had embarked on it, would fail, and he took a very narrow route. It succeeded, and I'm sure he has a lot to pray for, uh, to give thanks for and to pray for. How, when he how does he make not. a play for the Catholic vote when he is mm, pledging to abortion. legislate for abortion? Yeah. So he was pledging to legislate for abortion in, in 2020, so that hasn't changed. Uh, what he is doing, and I think this is genuine, by the way, I mean, he is authentically uh, very Catholic, practically for sure. Catholic forever. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is but he's not, also a politician, and politicians indeed, have this ability precisely. to do more than one thing at the Yeah, and, and heads of state have been visiting shrines ahead of battles for, for centuries. Uh, and I think there's an element of that about this, because he is saying to just enough Catholics that I'm Catholic enough for you now one more time. What do you think the uh, impact of his visit is 
here on Irish politics or is there any impact? That's a harder thing to to answer. is Is there a political payoff for an Irish government to be seen to be hosting an American president in the way that we assume there is a a payoff. We we assume that there is some sort of a domestic payoff with, you know, pictures of Biden beamed home visiting mm. his ancestral homeland, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, yeah. As you say, visiting not. I, I think maybe a little insofar as that it wipes every other story off the page. So that's a start. That's always a help. It's no harm at the moment for the government. <laughs> Certainly not to all the other nonsense that's been spoken about hardship and housing and health and poverty. And no, that's, that'll all be banished for a few days. Uh, so that's good. It, it does, I suppose, underline the, the government and the Taoiseach and the Taoiseach's credentials uh, personally and the government as a whole. Uh, will it do much difference uh, to, to them politically much longer? I doubt it. But what it does do, it delivers for the country. Because it's not just the president, it is his key team of advisors who are in the country for four days. Uh, there are meetings with them. People here in a very small country have another opportunity to re-familiarise, to re-engage again, as they've done again and again. And it's that constancy of familiarity and re-engagement over time that yields results, not just at the very highest issues, but down the line on a wider range of issues, including uh, corporate tax uh, mm-hmm. and the, the trade issues that are so important. Because, of course, we are a country that lives or dies uh, on the basis of the receipts of corporation tax, which is fueled by American multinational companies. And only the other day, the uh, Minister for Finance to, was talking about it again. I did, don't, didn't want to lower the tone of the conversation, but there uh, you are. Possible, I'm sure. <laughs> um, well, listen, uh, that's all tremendously interesting. Uh, will you uh, get to uh, see the President at, uh, at any stage only, yourself? Only you're not, only you're not the, invited to the banquet on n- Thursday no, night? No, no, I'm so long off those lists. Um, um, so, no, I'll be watching it on the television. Very good. Well, my my thanks to Jared Hallen and uh, to Freya McClemens, who persevered through all the uh, the, the storm and <laughs> drang of Ulster in the background. Um, Freya, thank you. Thanks very much. Enjoy the day. Your 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 instructions for the next couple of hours now are to, as as we always say in in Washington when we're moving from one interminable wait to the next, is to uh, hurry up and wait for the president. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> Uh, so we hope that's not too tedious. We look forward to talking to you again. So uh, that's all from uh, me this morning. Uh, Hugh will be back uh, next week. And thanks to JJ on sound and to producer Declan Conlon. We'll talk to you next week.